first known rules of golf were drawn up in 1744 by the gentleman golfers of Edinburgh in Leith, Scotland. Since then, the game has changed dramatically. Golf courses, equipment, and not least the rules. So where do I go when I want to learn about the rules of the game today? Well, I go to the Golf Rules Questions podcast with Blakey and Roscoe, of course. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. My name is Roscoe, your co-host, and uh, sitting virtually alongside, and hopefully for not too much longer, because we can now pretty much get face-to-face, uh, we can play golf face-to-face at least, sitting virtually beside the Golf Rules master himself, Blakey. How are you, sir? You well? Yeah, going really well, and uh, yeah, fantastic news. I think ever since we started this podcast, we've been wanting golf back in Victoria, so it's now back for... A select few, as in you can play in two balls, and you know there, there's not that many spaces out in the golf courses at the moment. But uh, hopefully you can you can book early and get in there. Can you actually believe that that we've been operating a golf rules questions podcast in an entire time when golf in this state of Victoria has not been permitted to be played? It's quite yeah. it's quite bizarre to think that we're now up to episode thirteen, and uh, we haven't been able to play golf until basically Monday. There you go. Can't wait to get it back back out there myself. Now, last week, uh, speaking of getting back out there, it was very good to get a little bit of a handle, a little bit of a heads up on some issues that surround us on the golf course um, in the form of local rules. Now, we talked about that. If you want to catch up on local rules, legitimate ro- local rules, go back to episode 12 and we cover off some of the, the core ones or the key ones that you may face uh, at your golf course. This week after the raging success of one of your Instagram posts, Blakey, it's it's spawned another episode. It's spawned another continuation of the golf uh, rules questions, uh, local rules episode. and uh, and But this time they're a bit different. They're a bit wacky, zany. I'm not actually going to, don't know what to call them. I'll leave that up to you. But we're basically going to run down, what, the top 10? Top yes, 10 so. local rules of from the Instagram followers of Golf Rules Questions podcast. There were many, many more, and we might debrief those in a later, in a different way. But uh, we've got some ring-a-dingers, clangers. Uh, I don't know what you want to call them, Blakey, but what ha- what happened there when you put that out to the Instagram world? Yeah, well, so I uh, put up a clip of our local rules that we spoke about in episode 12. Um, you know, as you said, legitimate, authorised uh, local rules, E5, F5, and... Um, there was a one, another one in there. It might have been E3, preferred lies. Uh, so then one of my followers, uh, Tyler underscore Walker underscore eight underscore. That's a lot of underscores. Yeah, similar to golf rules question, uh, golf rules underscore questions. Uh, underscores are the, you know, the hot topic at the moment. So he suggested, you know, what about some, some random local rules? Um, you know, what are the other local rules out there? So I, I posted on the story the storyboard to the rest of my followers. What are the strangest local rules that you've come across whilst playing golf? And we got some absolute loony ones. So I can't wait to share um, those with everyone listening today. Very good. So we'll share those. But first, we've got to uh, backtrack on one of our new segments, which is after our meeting this morning, now has an official name. It's now, wait for it, Golf Rules Question of the Week. 
That that took a lot of a lot of marketing strategy and a lot of meeting power this morning to come up with that name, mate. Golf rules question of the week, not just question of the week. It's golf rules question of the week, and we've got a we've got a number of players. What was last week's question? So last week, uh, last week's question: Can you declare a ball lost? So can you declare a ball lost? And the answer: What do you reckon the answer was, Roscoe? The answer is no. You can't. Yeah. You can't just rip one off the tee and peel a big block slice out to the right or left if you're a left hand um, left hander, and say, "Oh, that one's lost, mate. Don't worry about it." And then just rip another one and play one, two, three from down the fairway. You can hit a provisional. You can you can say that your ball's lost. You, know, tell, you can say that your ball's lost. But if you're this is what happens if your playing partners go down there and say, "Mate, I'll just have a little look for it down there for you and find it." That's your ball. That's that's why you're part of the golf rule, the golf rules questions podcast, Roscoe, because you know you know the rules just as well as I do. So straight out of the straight out of the book, interpretation lost slash one. This is in the definition definition section. Really can't get a hang of my words today, but uh, bear with me. Uh, ball may not be declared lost. A player may not make a ball lost by a declaration. That's the important. Uh, part about this uh, definition. A ball is lost only when it has not been found within three minutes after the player or his or or, or their caddy or partner or their partner's caddy begins to search for it. That's partner in a four ball or foursome. If you're playing an individual stroke play event, you don't have a partner. For example, a player searches for their ball for two minutes, declares it lost and walks back to play another ball. Before the player puts another ball in play, the original ball is found within the three-minute search time. Since the player may not declare his or their ball lost, the original remains in play. So, Roscoe, you tee one up, you hit it down there, you go for a look, you search for two minutes, you go, oh, I don't think we're going to find this one, boys. I'll go back to the tee. You tee one up within the teeing area, but they found it. Uh, at two minutes and 40 seconds. That ball, the original ball, is the ball in play because you haven't put a ball into play yet because you've teed one up within the teeing ground or teeing area. Say a different situation. You're hitting into a par five, the the one that's, uh, this might be a bit of a clue, but uh, the one that's behind you in that photo. Uh, You're hitting into a par five, second shot. You put one a little bit right, Okay, and then again, you walk down there, you have a look for two minutes, you you go, oh, I better go and play another one. You are starting to walk back. If you haven't put one into play and they find it within three minutes, that's still the ball in play. If you drop one back at your last, your previous stroke made, then you have put a ball in play and that new ball into play is now the ball in play. So is it... Slight difference there of when a ball is in play. But uh, you can't declare it lost. Uh, you can ask people not to search for it, but you can't declare it lost. So on that point, asking people not to search for it. So you walk up to where it's obviously in the kaka and... In this in this instance, you've played a provisional, so you've you've actually hit a ball in the in the scrub. You've played a provisional. You walk down to where you think your ball is. You can see that it's just 
if you do find it, you don't want to find it and you'd rather play uh, your uh, force shot from the fairway. How do you do that? How do you tell people, oh, don't worry about it, boys, girls. Don't worry about it. Just forget about it. Do they, they don't have to act on that, do they? That you can ask. Yeah. And ask politely. Yes. And they can say, no, stuff you. I'm going to have a look for it. Um, or most likely in a stroke play event, they will just say, yep, sure, no worries. I don't really want to bother going in there where there could be snakes or uh, yeah. crocodiles or whatever could be in there. Now, in a match play situation, um, you know, I'd probably go and have a look. I'd go and see if I can find that because then if that if you do find it, uh, they're either having to go back to the tee or they're going to have to chip it out or they're going to have to take an unplayable in that situation and it's probably going to be less advantageous than the provisional that's sitting out in the middle of the fairway. If there's uh, if the provisional was sort of stuffed, I probably would just say, yep, that's fine. I'm, you know, you don't want to find it and you just want to sort of hit your provisional from the thick rough, go for it. I wonder how many people out there have actually got one of those uh, playing partners slash mates slash people at the golf club that that insists on going in and looking for it, going, I can find it, I'll get it for you, don't worry. And they dive in and, and find your ball and it's like absolutely stymied. I wonder how I many really, people... I, yeah, I... I I've, had, they, I've had that, I've played with that person. If they if they do that, Roscoe? Say that again? Are they actually mates if they do that? Mm, well, in their mind, you know, like they're trying to save... Five bucks on a golf ball, you know, like they're, they're more Scottish than uh, than uh, the stereotypical Scotsman like me. But um, no, I'm I'm quite happy to forego a ball for the middle of the fairway provisional. But no, there's always I'm, I, I just remember it sticks out. Like I'll get it for you, no worries. I don't know why I'm doing that voice, and that's not representative of anyone. Just to <laughs> clarify that, I am known for doing a voice or talk, and sometimes I hope that doesn't offend anyone. But you know, you've got that person that goes, "I'll get it for you, don't worry, mate. Here it is, found it." And it's up the backside of a tree, dead, deader than dead. But anyway, that's the rules. That's well, you got to you got to go and play it. I actually wanted to. This is a really good, seg, uh, you know, question for, you know, professional golf. Uh, so we see in professional golf, the professional golfer hits it in the scrub, and there's spectators, and they're trying to find the ball. Uh, now, it's a, a lot of time you're thinking, oh, this, the professional definitely want to find their ball. And if they don't hit another one off the tee, yeah, they want to find that ball, okay? Mm. If they do hit another one off the tee, then we don't know if they've called it a provisional or not. As soon as they hit another one off the tee and they don't call it provisional, which we've gone in, uh, through in one of our episodes, then that's the ball in play. So it's not going to matter if you find the original ball anyway. Now, if they did call it a provisional, I don't uh, start looking for the original ball, okay? I wait until they get to the, this uh, area where the original went, and then they have a look and say, oh, I do or I don't want to find it. So this is a, this is a good tip for punters out there. Don't automatically uh, start searching for a professional's ball if they've hit another ball off the tee. Just wait and, you know... I've, I have had professionals come up and say, oh, you know, why aren't you looking for it? And I'm just like, well, I didn't know if you wanted to find it. And, and they, they look at me and they go, oh, and then they look over in the area and they go, oh, yeah, uh, oh, maybe I don't want to find it. So, uh, you know, you, you don't 
if they do hit two balls off, they only hit one ball off the tee, go and find that ball, definitely. But if they hit two balls off the tee, just wait and see if they actually really want uh, to find their ball when they get up there. Now, just on uh, finding golf balls, and he has had a mention in the podcast before, and I just want to say a big thanks to him again for providing me with a little bit of uh, you know, late-night viewing entertainment. That's our very own Australia's very own Wayne Radar Riley, who uh, stood on another ball in uh, the European Tour, Matt Wallace's ball in the side of, I can't remember what hole it was, it was at the Fairmont in last weekend's uh, Scottish Championship up at the Fairmont in St Andrews and uh, Radar was the man on the ground talking through it and getting the vibe back off the uh, TV guys, Wayne it's, it's to your left, it's a little bit in lane with that blue car and he's, which blue car, there's a heap of blue cars down there and uh, anyway they found Matt Wallace's ball, uh, he stood on it, he came back and tried to insert his uh, authority and you know, he wasn't shooed away, but he said, oh, I'll just leave them to it, and off he went. And also, just on that, now we're not going to, we can talk, can we talk about, let's talk about the Ivers now because it comes up because the the winner of that um, tournament, it's not an Iver, I haven't called an Iver, but I, I am Adrian Otegui. Otegui, I just want to clarify. Don't, don't ask me. Otegui, La Pirata, or Pirata, the pirate. Anyway, congratulations to him, Mr. Otegui from uh, Spain for winning that tournament. Um, but on the Ivers, while we are going into segments, because we've just covered one, the, the Golf Rules Question of the Week, the GRQ OTW, um, I like to abbreviate things as well. But uh, Andy Webster, I've got... Or Webbo. Webbo. I've got to apologise. I'm sorry that I not only got the 1744 wrong, although I did say I got it right once in that episode, I not only got that and correctly pulled up by you on that, then I mis misrepresented your YouTube uh, handle, which correctly was A W E B B O fourteen twenty six. I didn't pay enough attention to what it correctly was, and I apologise. So I'm calling another Iver on me. I'm probably three Ivers up on your two now. We probably should keep a count on that. So uh, I've written down that YouTube handle, but I am going to run with uh, Webo from now on. So. Webbo, if you continue to support us with the Ivers or anything from the Golf Rules Questions podcast, we do appreciate you, Webbo, and uh, and thanks for that. So another Iver to me on getting Webbo's YouTube handle wrong. It's the Australian way to just add an O to the end of your, end of your name, like Ross, Roscoe. There you go. Right, let's get into these uh, top 10 strangest local rules, Roscoe. Yes, let's get into them. So at number 10... We'll just take turns at running through these. I think that that's the best way to do it. The 10 strangest local rules. Number 10, free relief from tree roots. So this is this yes. is a good one. I grew, I grew up, would have, it wasn't a rule at uh, where I grew up in Cessnock, uh, Cessnock Country Club. Uh, we had a lot of iron ore type, uh, I don't know if it was iron ore, but they were rocks basically, embedded through the fairways. And if you got your new PGF Aristocrat SBs as a 16-year-old, you did not want to hit them off the rocks but you had to. And everyone's club had like massive rock chunks out of it because we off the fairway we had these pebbles and rocks. But uh, what else What else covers up in that one? You know, tree roots, taken unplayable. Yeah, so, yeah, there we go. What is it? What was the rule? Yeah, so uh, with tree roots, um, there is a local rule that you can adopt uh, and it's specifically for the fairway. Okay, so sort of similar to your rock situation. I mean, you can adopt a local rule uh, for abnormalities in the fairway, such as tree roots and rocks. Um, however, if they're sort of normal to the course, then 
you know, you, you can't adopt a local rule when it's when it's just normal to the course. Uh, but certainly for the rough, I mean, the penalty is if you hit it in the rough, you don't, you shouldn't be getting free relief. Okay, so to have free relief for a tree root in the rough or you know anywhere in the general area is just a ridiculous, ridiculous local rule and. You know, that's like giving free relief from a tree or a rock or, you know, a tuft of grass that's just too hard or it, I might I might hurt myself um, if I hit in this long rough and I, you know, the club is grabbed and it hurts my wrists or whatever. It's it's like, it's not, you know, people say, oh, it's unsafe. We, we have to give the player protection from, you know, and provide this local rule. Well, it's not unsafe. We're not making you play the shot. You can take a penalty and take an unplayable and take a drop, okay? Uh, we're not making you play the shot. Uh, you've hit it in the rough in a spot where you're not supposed to hit it. You either play it as it lies or take a penalty. I'm with you on that. Unless you're Phil Mickelson and you're up against a, a tree root and that tree has a lightning conductor strap hanging off it and it is touching you, then if you're Phil Mickelson, you can get a drop from that. But uh, no, other tree roots, no drop. That was a loose one. Yeah, okay. If, it, if, this, if the wire was attached as it should have been, then it shouldn't have been. Uh, but that's, a, that's the champions tour. They, they get free relief for everything. If you're just jumping into the Golf Rules Questions podcast and you want to learn about that, it's back in one of the earlier episodes where uh, Phil Mickelson got some relief in his first champions tour uh, effort, which he went on to win, and as he won last weekend in his second Champions Tour effort, winning uh, against uh, the, the Champions Tour is looking pretty, pretty impressive now with some of those you know 50-year-olds moving in. He played with his college buddy, um, uh, what was his name? Hal? No, not Hal. Uh, lefty. You have to, who? Uh, Mike Weir. Mike Weir, sorry. Yeah, Mike Weir, the Canadian. Um, so the two lefties played college, playing on Champions Tour. It was great. It was good to watch. Anyway. Next, well, he, and he would—he didn't win wire to wire this week. He—he uh, he came from behind and shot like a sixty-five and and won by three. But he—he was—he was not leading after the third round. You know why he wasn't leading? Because he's spraying it everywhere. As his old lefty off the tee, he—he—he's trying. He's too. He's too, all about hitting bombs, mate. Too in, bombs. in in saying about hitting the long bombs and not hitting fairways. And if you hit yeah, more fair, he still won, didn't he? But if you hit more fairways, like you, you could, you know what? If you hit more fairways. It would probably be a couple of shots, one and a half shots around, I reckon, um, according to my man Rocket on the My Love of Golf podcast. He could contend still with the big boys on the main tour. But anyway, that's another another podcast, right, another topic. To no, number nine. So here we go. Free drop from coconuts and bird debris in a bunker. I like this golf course. <laughs> well, there's yeah. coconuts. So coconuts suggest tropical, and if it's a tropical golf course, I'm – I mean, I'm, I like it. I mean, coconuts are just, that's a loose impediment. It's a its a natural object. It's a loose impediment. You shouldn't be getting free relief from a coconut. And then bird debris, and I think the bird debris, you know, is, uh, you actually, they were giving free relief outside the bunker for that. That's even, that's even, that's mad. It's like, oh, I hit my ball into a bunker and, Oh, but you don't have to play from there because there's bird debris. 
Well, uh, this course just probably lost me on the bird debris because if, if there are coconuts, that's fine, it's tropical, but this is bird debris. I would hate to see the size of the birds that are leaving the debris yeah. and uh, and I don't, want, I don't want birds attacking me or anything like that that leave debris on the golf course. But anyway, where, do you know where that was, where that came from? Uh, the co- they're actually two different courses. Okay. Um, it was just so similar I, I uh, merged them together. But the coconuts one was from a course in Brazil. Okay. And the bird debris, I don't know where that one was. Okay, I'll look forward to playing golf. I'd say I'd say it was a coastal, a seaside course. So, it's like uh, rocks in the bunker. You're not allowed to. No, rocks. Uh, not allowed to move well, rocks in the bunker. That, no, that, that rocks in the bunker. I've I've put that as a an uh, equal winner on the ninth equal. Um, but uh, that that's the exact opposite. Yeah. Of the free drop from the coconuts, not allowed to move rocks in a bunker. All rocks are loose impediments, and you are allowed to move them in a bunker. So I don't know how they wanted to, or why they would want to come up with that like rule, which actually penalises the player when they when they don't need to be penalised. That's classic. So you can move that you get relief from the coconuts, but you can't touch a rock. <laughs> which I'm telling you, these are and this is the top ten. We had a top twenty that the from eleven to twenty. Um, they're just as strange. It was very hard to actually find a top ten, but these are all—they're all strange. This number eight, uh, what the hell is that one? We should have a little bit more fun with this, in all sincerity, and maybe do a listener poll on the top ten. We'll put, we'll publish the top twenty, and you know you can rank them, and and we'll actually come up potentially with your list. That's an idea on the spot there, Blakey, which we didn't talk about in the I like, pre. No, I like it. I like it. Now number eight. Yeah, work this one out. Okay, let me let me read. Two greens on a hole. Player with the honour gets to decide which green is the hole to be played to. I like it. I like this place. Any course with two greens, like any course with two greens, and where's the most famous course with two greens? Many two green examples. Well, it's the yeah. old course. I think there might be seven. Seven of the. I could be wrong, but you know, someone will. Every, co- Apart from 17 and 1, every other double green adds to 18. Yeah, okay. Good. So you got 10 and 8, 7 and 11, yep. 6 and 12. You get the picture. Yep. So there's only, there's basically only seven, there's seven double greens and then four single greens. And that's 1, 18, 17, and 9. Now, before we go on and clarify uh, this local rule, I have actually played a little backyard course uh, in in Greater Melbourne. No, it's not Greater Melbourne. It's outside of Greater Melbourne uh, that has six greens, but they have two holes in the greens. And when you play that to that green from one direction, the pin is in one hole. And then when you putt out from that direction, you move the pin to the next hole because you play to that green from another direction and therefore another pin position. Very clever. But- what course is that? Oh, it's a private course. Someone's backyard. It's basically someone's backyard. Right. You can see it on my Instagram. If you go to ross.flanagan.golf, there's some pictures there from uh, from that place, and it's unbelievable. How good would it be to own a golf course? It was an experience to play it with uh, the owner, and it was immense. Anyway, but that's uh, that was one example sort of as close as I get other than the double greens of the Royal and Ancient at St Andrews, which was a phenomenal experience. But you definitely cannot stand on the team and say, mate, I just won that hole, so we're playing to the – big good game. You can actually play the St Andrews in reverse. 
That's right. That happens once a year. Yeah. Um, my friend Chris Wallace was telling me about that. Mm. He's a member there. Uh, so with number eight, two greens in a hole, you know, there's a layout that everyone has to play for the competition, and you can't just be chopping and choosing which holes you're gonna uh, or which holes you're gonna play to, which greens you're gonna play to. So this is just. Um, I'm sure it's not a competition thing. It's probably just a social thing, but it's just still a very strange local rule. I like the I like the sound of this course. I'd like to know where that course is, and I'd like to visit it one day, if at all possible. As I'd like to visit your friend Chris Wallace at St Andrews next time I'm in Scotland. Chris, if you're listening, I don't know you probably are. Um, can't wait to have a round at St Andrews with you. Thanks for the invitation, self invitation. I mean, um, number seven, members' relief. If you hit into someone's backyard. You must take free relief. Oh, sorry. I'm just trying to think of all the times that I've hit into someone's backyard and been penalised. Um, this should be out of bounds. You must take a penalty. Well, that's. I'm just yeah, sorry. I've just answered it. it. It's not even in the boundary of the course. <laughs> and then you know, and then they're just giving them free relief. Like you've hit a terrible shot. Oh, it's okay. Just take free relief. There's a great Instagram uh, meme type video where someone's house is on the back of a course and when they get a ball in their backyard, the owner of the house dives out into the backyard yes. and lays yeah. down on the ground and pretends if he's been hit by that ball. My, and then, my friend uh, Stuart McPhee actually uh, sent that through to me on email uh, two days ago, uh, just uh, showing me that one where he, uh, the guy in the backyard pretends to be have been hit by the ball. There's there's thousands of videos uh, like this. It's not a it's an unfortunate set of circumstances when houses are near golf courses and they do receive errant balls into the house. And you know, as a young fella, as I mentioned before, playing in Palm Springs, that you know we had never seen a house other than one house, and I'll come back to that house. But in Palm Springs, there are houses all through the golf courses, and and people are sitting in their backyards and. You know, the young boys that we were with were hitting shanks and hitting balls into the into the grills and you know it was it was insane plus the fact that we had carts on concreted car paths it was insane but you know, we never seen houses let alone you know bouncing balls off roofs and that sort of thing but back to Cessnock golf course on what was the 11th hole near the green was a house and that house received a number of balls over the time of the golf hole being there and sued the golf club and was successful, I believe for damages to the, so yeah, it's, it's who, who, you know, what's the right answer. If you live near a golf course, you've got to expect that balls are going to come in your backyard. If you see the ball and you want to chuck it back over the fence, that's the only free relief you can get. What happens in that situation? If someone sees the ball come in, chucks it back over the fence and says, Hey, get that out of here. Balls in play. Well, the, no, Oh. The ball was out of bounds, so the ball was out of bounds. You you can't have someone chuck a ball back into play that was out of bounds. How do you know that the ball? What if you don't see the person chuck it at? Chuck it over. If if you never know, uh, and no one knows that the ball was out of bounds. Mm then the ball was never out of bounds. So it's back to the 95, 95%. So if you think the ball's gone out of bounds and you're 95% and you've hit another ball and then you get down there and you see it fly over the fence because there's someone un unhappy that your ball's in the backyard, your ball ain't in play. That's right. But if your ball was in the middle of the fairway and you're going, oh, it must have bounced off the, uh, the roof or the garage or a tree, 
and you have no evidence to suggest otherwise, uh, then um, you just play it as it lies. And the evidence that would suggest otherwise, you've heard a big bang off a tile or a tin roof or something like that, and then you find it in the middle of the fairway, then then you're good to go. Okay, number six. Number six. <laughs> this is a, this is this will do I the. Get, I don't get this one. This will do uh, the great company uh, from Ireland who make some ball markers very happy because I think a lot of their ball markers they make are without this. No ball markers with spikes on the bottom. So if you have a ball marker that has a spike on the bottom, which isn't isn't that common these days, but you still get them, you can't use it. That's a local rule. But how, like how damaging is a spike, a small spike on the bottom of a ball marker? Maybe they had someone who fell over and the spike from the bottom of their ball marker in, intruded into their thigh and gave them a dramatic thigh injury or something. Well, you're really stretching that one. Yes. That's my job. Uh, the only maybe someone tried to use a bull marker that was the size of a pizza or something. Uh, I, I just, you know, you can repair damage on the green now. Surely the spikes on the bottom of the shoes would cause more damage than one spike on the bottom of a bull marker. Of course, I would. So, so I why why have a local rule for that? I. You know, I need to dig into that one a bit more. Do we know where Do we know where this is? Is it anything here able to be named? No. Uh, just on that, and just to add a little bit of colour, and it's not relative to the spike in this local rule, but this is one thing don't do. And uh, and we learnt this the hard, not the hard way. We were silly. So, you know, when you're playing nearest a pin, and your club puts out the nearest a pin marker, and then also the little flat disc, which has usually got a a, a spike on the bottom of it. Well, if that flat disc is in your way of the putt, but you don't want to lose the spot where the nearest pin marker is, don't scratch into the green and put a little V or something like that where the nearest pin marker goes. Just just a word of advice. You know, you've been seeing it for, for years and years and years. It's an old school way of just marking that and someone's just scratching the green. Well, uh, you know, and, and can be a habit, and it was a habit that, probably I had at one point, and when we got the new greens at uh, my home course, my good friend Dennis Armfield from the Carlton Footy Club at the time uh, had a ball in his way. He was nearest to pin. I picked up the thing and marked it, wrote his name on the thing, and then he got a letter from the club saying, hey, Dennis, <laughs> don't use the marker to draw a spike mark you know, in the green. Don't do that again. It was actually me. So I um, had to fess up for that. Mm. I I've never understood why people do that either. I I don't understand why, like I just put it like a little bit bigger of a hole, you know, so that you can remember where it is because it, it's it's. What's a what be. what? Well, it's a good point. What is the appropriate way to to mark it? Yeah, put a little bit bigger of the hole. Yeah, okay. Like, and I'm not saying like a bigger like twice the size hole. It's just a you know just a little bit bigger so you know that that's where it was. So but, just to. You know, do it like leave a it, leave it sort of just you know, and then you just sort of leave it off to the side, equidistant sort of point, so you know to just come back there. Yeah. I mean, 
Measure it, measure it up, people. Uh, definitely do not scratch in the green. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a bad habit, and it still it still exists. You still go to the, some clubs, and and, and a does. lot of the you know more traditional members that have been doing it for years still do it, and but don't do it. Don't there do we go. Uh, number five, Blakey. This is a actually. Oh, sorry. Actually, can we just on that? Can we jump to number four because number four is so relevant to what we just talked about? Okay, well let's go to number four, and then we'll go back to number five. Yes, number four. Please. Not permitted. I can't believe this. I'll start again because I, I, I read. I've read it several times now, and I still can't believe it. Not permitted to repair pitch marks on the green. Hmm. That's just you can't do that. That's the stupidest local rule of it. I, you know, it's just dumb. So, <laughs> so just to remind it, if you, why are we saying don't repair pitch marks on the green? Why? If you if you fast forward to this point and you come in, you stop and you're going, what are these guys talking about? This is a local rule that is in place somewhere and someone has sent it to you as a strange local rule that they play at a place where pitch marks are not permitted to be repaired. Uh, it, it blows my mind. I, I can't get over this one. Like, it goes against everything that we, we encourage people to do and we tell people to do. Repair pitch marks. Exactly. Now, back to the community service announcements that we sometimes give out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, I'm not the greenkeeper of my family. That was my brother's job. Uh, he grew up as the greenkeeper. And what I learned from him, there is an absolute right and a wrong way to repair your pitch mark. So don't scratch, don't use the nearest to pin marker to scratch your, the marker, but also learn how to repair the pitch mark properly. So, you know, where the grass grows, and this is not an agronomy section, but uh, where the grass grows, you know, there's a root mass underneath. And if you tear at the roots, you know, it makes it harder for that part of the green to grow back. And for the sake of everyone's, you know, betterment of the golf course and playing beautiful, smooth greens as much as they can. If you repair it properly, it will have a better chance of growing back quickly. So there are a number of videos out there. You should put one on the YouTube, uh, Golf Rules Questions YouTube site uh, that everyone should go and subscribe to, please. Golf Rules Questions YouTube. You should put a video on there of how to repair a pitch mark. I will. It'll be uh, the next time I play golf. I think I'm playing this Saturday. So Saturday, I'll do a little video and uh, hopefully I'll get it right. Yeah, very good. Ah, uh, so now that back to number back to number five. Back to number five. This is a this is another beauty. Sorry, I'm chuckling. Um, unprofessional of me to be laughing at such a sincerious matter. If you hit a drive straight down a blind fairway and can't find it, you get a free drop in the fairway. I love this place. <laughs> This is like goes exactly against rule eighteen point two. It goes against the the lost the definition of lost ball. Like there's no, you've got if you've hit it down the middle of a blind fairway, it, it doesn't say anything about evidence about having ninety five percent virtual certainty that someone stole it. it doesn't say about having at least ninety five percent virtual certainty that the ball was lost in a ground under a pier area. It is. It was literally, if you hit it down this fairway and it's a blind fairway, meaning it's over a hill, and you can't find it, just drop a ball hitting your second. That is just not permitted, full stop. That's like Irish drop on steroids. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it's just, that is just so dumb. Like, you know, th there must be other ways that uh, the ball... If you didn't hit it uh, down, you know, a perfectly fine fairway, down the middle of a perfectly fine fairway, or if you can't find it, I mean, down the middle of a perfectly fine fairway, then you probably didn't hit it as straight as you think. Uh, that's a fair point. 
Now let's uh, move on to number three. We're getting near to the near to the end here. Um, a ball moved by a seagull gets to be played as it lies. Yeah. So nine point six rule nine point six. If your ball at rest is moved by an outside influence, you must replace the ball. Okay. Sort of similar to throwing a ball back in bounds. Uh, if you know that someone has moved your ball at rest you must replace it on the spot where it was moved from, okay? So saying any other kind of local rule saying, oh, you just play it from where it lies is not right. It's not correct. Hmm. So those kids that took my ball in the Cessnock Cup back in you know, 2003, I still remember who you are. You, you just got to let it go. <laughs> I still remember who you are when you ran out and grabbed my new Pro V1. I wasn't I wasn't a Pro V1 specialist then, so it was a very expensive golf ball to me back then. So anyway, moved, I have moved on. No, the kids they're fine. Give this a, next one, this next one is hilarious. So <laughs> number two, this this is serious. But once again, if you've just joined us, this is serious. These are serious things that we believe by the all integrity of the listeners have provided us because it's in play at their course. Or they've and, played at a course that has this as a rule. And this one's a... And for the most part, they're unauthorised, meaning they're wrong. You can't put these in play. Oh, I want to go and play at some of these courses. So at this place, you can gather sand within the bunker to build a mini sandy lie as a result of not being enough sand in the bunker. That's fair, isn't it, Blakey? Oh, you can why even have bunkers at the course? Scoop up a little bit of sand, just tee the ball up there and get out of the bunker so you still get the effect of being in the sand when there's not enough sand to be in the sand. How about you just fill in the bunker and put it, make it a grass bunker or make it a rough area or just cut it and make it fairway. Do not have bunkers at this course. You can't, you can't hit your ball and then go and put sand under it to reflect the sand that should be there because it's a bunker it's not a bunker because there's no sand that's where you have to carry a sand bucket so you can actually put in the sand <laughs> in the bunker no not for the for the divots because the divots are the fairways are dirt anyway but you have to carry a sand bucket to put the sand in imagine that at the starter saying excuse me young Ross, <laughs> can you please take a sand bucket out there and fill in some of our bunkers i didn't understand that was that an accent was that a voice <laughs> <laughs> I had something in my throat. <laughs> what can we just clarify? What I, I'll give you some points for it. What attempt? Accent, what accent was that? Uh, it was a worldly accent. <laughs> it was kind of you know, it was, it was many accents merged into that uh, voice there. If you are listening, and thank you once again for listening. Uh, if you if you're a fan of an accent or a character, and you would like Blakey to do some, uh, please let us know. If you want me to do some, I'd have a crack too. But if, and as long as you're not offended, if you are offended, then we won't do it. But uh, if you want Blakey to do some more character voices, please let us know. We could start. We could start a uh, you know start a tea. Uh, well, just, you know, send in your name and the golf club that you represent, and we'll give you a time that you're teeing off. And uh, next to the tea, jeez, he's having a crack at an over. Uh, well. In all seriousness, it's fairly hard to say in all seriousness because there's nothing about this uh, podcast so far that's been really serious because these rules are a, can be otherwise described as a joke, but a joke. they are in existence. So it's only it's only um, it's only natural that after twelve of the most serious golf rules episodes that you've ever heard in the golf rules podcasting world that we have a bit of fun, and that's what we're doing. And I hope you enjoy. 
Um, so number one, I actually think uh, I might have a drum roll here. Uh, might have a drum roll. Oh, you go on. Oh, okay. No, I don't have a drum roll. So, so no, I'm not programmed enough. Sorry. Uh, okay, number one. Wait for it. You have to pay approximately, depending on current currency exchange rates at the time, two dollars for hitting into someone's house in Indonesia. That's that's fair enough. Contribution towards a potential intrusion into someone's house, disrupting their personal time, may be damaging. So you just leave a donation to the the it, gurus there. It kind of tells you the uh, the house value when it's only two dollars. Well, you know, it might just be token. You know, it's like the incentives. You know, it's like playing for a dollar on a hole. You know, you don't want to lose a dollar, do you, to your mate? So you don't want to hit it into your mate's house for to lose two bucks. So. You know, it's just that positive pressure. You know, don't go in the house. You might have got to pay the two bucks. But that's a that's a that's classic. I would like to know where that is. I'd like to go to that course too and hit them into houses and leave two bucks everywhere. No, I wouldn't do that on purpose. Not Wait, since Palm Springs. Well, that's the thing. It's not going to. You know, the the ball is going to cost more than two bucks over there, isn't it? Who knows, David, where these things have come from? But uh, that's number one, and the weird, wonderful local rules that do exist in the world as according to you, our listeners. Thanks for very much for that. There are a couple of other spe- special mentions. and um, Yeah, well, they're going to be in our top 20, uh, but you're more than welcome to uh, to mention a couple. Well, they, uh, they, I, you know, I, it was hard to leave them out of the top 10, I tell you. Well, well, we'll come back to everyone and, and get everyone to vote on what their best are and we'll do something there and have a bit more fun with this. But one of the that – that was mentioned a lot of times – um, and it's not really a local rule, it's just a rule, isn't it? But internal out of bounds. And my background, talking about backgrounds now and background bingo, uh, my background here is representation of a hole that has an internal out of bounds. And it's just defined by a, um, a short stretch of white pegs on the, uh, obviously the opposite side. I'm going to get my left and right mixed up looking at this Zoom thing here, but... Uh, you know, to my left of the, the bunkers that you can see where, on the hill. Where the bunkers are. Yeah, where the bunkers yeah. are. If you were to play down over those bunkers further left than, you know, the desired shortcut of that hole, you would be playing down what is the uh, ninth hole of that particular course. And therefore, the green is just over that hill, potentially putting players playing that at risk. So there is an internal out of bounds, which is just defined by seven or eight pegs, and you can't hit over there. The, the weird part for me is being formally, you know, of reasonable distance and sometimes trying to cut the corner on that particular hole is where the pegs stop and, you know, having maybe gone over the pegs but then come back into bounds and, and not in, a, in an area that is obviously danger and it's more... I guess more part of the hole that you're playing than the hole that you're not playing. So, it's it's always been, you know, that there's always been a question around that internal out of bounds for me, at the extremities extremities of it. There's a very obvious point. You know, you're over that. There's a peg there and there. Um, yeah. What happens there, David? You know, if you that's travel travel over it, but then you sort of come back into what might be considered back in play. Yeah. So let's uh, let's go through internal out of bounds uh, in a bit more depth. So you. It, you're talking about the hole that uh, is in your background bingo ha- actually having uh, internal out-of-bounds. And what is internal out-of-bounds? Well, out-of-bounds itself is about 
you've got the boundary of the course and you go outside of that boundary, uh, you're not on the course anymore and therefore your ball was out of bounds. And it's now in what the situation you're talking about with internal out of bounds, you're actually still on the course, but you've crossed over this line uh, of pegs or white line or whatever, and you've crossed over and you're still on the course, but because of during the play of that hole, they've said, no, you're not allowed to take this line. And it may be the fact that you're trying to cut the corner and you just hit a, hit a bit more of a hook than you should have. And it's similar to any other hole that does actually have, uh, you know, an external out-of-bounds, but it's just out-of-bounds. Anyway, internal out-of-bounds. So you're on that ninth hole, uh, but you've crossed that line, so your ball was actually out-of-bounds. But playing down the ninth, if you hit one too far through the green and you ended up on that hole, uh, you wouldn't, those pegs have no representation of you being out of bounds by going through those pegs for any for play of any other hole. It's just for this hole, if you cross the line, you're out of bounds. Now, the idea is that you uh, start with a peg, okay, so probably closer back this way towards the tee. You start with a peg and you also put another peg right beside it, okay? So you should start with two pegs and uh, one is sort of your starting area and the other peg right beside it shows the straight line to infinity, okay? So as far as you can go with those two pegs in that line, that is your that is the, the, the boundary, that is the line. So then you've got another peg another peg, you know, going down the fairway or, or down the rough in uh, parallel with the line of the hole. And then when you want to finish it, you just do exactly the same again. You put two pegs right beside each other and you create a straight line with those two pegs. I mean, it could be back, you know, the straight line is whatever the committee wants it to be. Mm. But it most likely will just be a right angle where you just cut it across the, the other fairway or whatever, or, you know, cut it across the other part of the, the course. And, and then that is your internal out of bounds. And if you're and across the line and your ball was at come to rest, any part of that course on that side of the line, your ball is out of bounds. So to my question there before, so it's possible to fly over the top of the internal out of bounds and be on the other side of it as deemed by those two pegs if you pass that infinity line and then be back in bounds. Yeah, exactly right. The out of bounds is where your ball comes to rest. It has mm. nothing to do with the line of play that the ball takes. Yeah. Uh, there's no such thing as an air out of bounds. Uh, you know, a restriction on what line your ball takes. It's all about where the ball comes to rest. Okay, air out of bounds. I can only imagine that at uh, Kingston Heath or Capital or somewhere like that where there's planes are just above your head all the time buzzing around. I wonder if we're not allowed to hit a lob wedge. We're not, not allowed to take a ping at a plane. <laughs> I wonder if a plane's ever been hit over there. Anyway, that's uh, prob- probably... Melbourne Airport? Yeah, all the big planes there. We should we should go and film some content there. Not many planes at the moment, Dave. No, no. Maybe just... Uh, maybe, that's a, maybe that's a 2021 plan <laughs> when planes yeah. are actually back in the air. Maybe a lot of freight planes. Yeah. Now, well, that was good. That was good. So you can see the background bingo there. You can see that that course uh, there that I, I'm sitting behind me. Please, if you're listening, jump over to the YouTube, subscribe, 
um, because you will get all of the great content that Blakey puts out on his YouTube, the growing YouTube, the wonderful resource that is the Golf Rules Questions YouTube page. Subscribe to the website, uh, to the mailing list. Um, once again, I got them my letter email this week. Fascinating, wonderful, wonderfully written. Um, subscribe to Blakey's website and you'll get all the information. You won't miss a beat. You'll get when we put a podcast out, just hit play. You'll get the newsletter and also go to the YouTube. Great resource. Wonderful. Now, so, where's your... Uh, background bingo. Where's your background? Oh, no, don't say where your background is, but it looks no, great. Right. Firstly, we've got to do last week's winner, who, of course, and I think he is... Let's get into that. He's the leader. Well, I'll, okay, I'll leave it to you. Well, my, my hint or uh, for my background is this is uh, a Southern Hemisphere again. <laughs> we'll start with Southern Hemisphere. Uh, you know, I've, I've got a bit of a theme going with my background bingo uh, backgrounds. So um, I'm pretty sure everyone should know uh, at least which country this is in. And it's on, it's on the better island, and that's all I'm going to say. Well, I'm tipping it's not the course where uh, you have to take your own sand to create your own little sandy wasteland uh, lie, um, Blakey. I, I can guarantee that much. No, now, that's exactly right. Background bingo. Um, he's going for was this a hat trick or a quad a quad trick? How many how many times can? Um, is that neither? Well, I don't know. If someone tells me that a quad trick isn't what is what what is a four 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 time winner? Quadruple. Quadruple. Well, I don't like to say quadruple because it reminds me of quadruple bogey, and I don't like those. <laughs> um, I had a hat trick bogey. <laughs> Andrew Miller. Yeah, killing it. He's he's leading. He's absolutely leading. Andrew, you you might just um, be the first winner of one of our golf rules questions prizes. You've got some prizes now, don't you, Blakey? Are you going to send Andrew something? One of your new prizes? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. we should. I think we should. I think if you're a four-time winner of the background bingo, and uh, that's not to say that you're the only participant. There are male participants, but you're just nailing the the um, the backgrounds. And and last week was a little bit obscure. I'm not sure what part of the world you're in, uh, Andrew, but you know you picked Mornington Golf Club for me which was the golf course responsible for bringing me back to the game. Uh, it's a beautiful course down there, and, and we're going to go down there and do some filming uh, of some golf rules uh, scenarios and situations and imbroglios. So um, you've got Mornington, and where was your course, Blakey? Uh, mine was the Hills in Queenstown, which uh, has in the past uh, held the New Zealand Open, which is my uh, favourite course. They sort of hold it in conjunction with Millbrook. Millbrook's got it at the moment, uh, but the Hills and Millbrook have um, certainly held it together over the past sort of 10 years and my favourite favourite uh, tournament of the year. Very so, good. Uh, if we can just see this tailor-made tour response, a little bit, little bit shiny there, uh, and with a very special... Golf Rules Questions logo. This one, one of these, Andrew, might be coming your way. 
<laughs> Andrew, I'm gonna, oh, if he sends you one, if he sends you one, the podcast is finished, right? Because we're bust, all right? He's got to send you at least a sleeve, okay? So that's the t- – for those of you listening, what Andrew Miller, who's been a regular contributor to the background bingo, it's just that way of having a bit of fun and drawing some attention to come and look at our mugs over on uh, Blakey's YouTube and showing some nice courses to boot. Andrew has won some uh, sleeve of tour response now we might we can't give this out every week because then we would be bust. But he's done it four times now. Um, yeah, he's killing the it. new tour response, uh, tailor-made ball. So that's one of the new ones from those guys, and uh, it's a, like a TP five, but a little bit softer compression, urethane cover. So it's a ball that really does suit most people, and uh, has the urethane cover, which gives you that stopping power, soft feel, great straight distance off the tee, but the tailor-made tour response with the golf rules logo on there the wonderful golf rules little kangaroo i hope you're from overseas is andrew from overseas yeah be yeah. good to send a kangaroo overseas yeah he can hop over there very good well that was fun blake it was good to have a bit of uh fun with uh some real life situations but uh unreal situations nonetheless yeah well, I, I i could like i saw the responses and i just couldn't believe it it was uh, we got a fantastic engagement and people really loved enjoying Oh, I loved reading through them all, and uh, yeah, I I just had to share them uh, on this podcast, and we did absolutely absolutely have some fun, laughing at how ridiculous those local rules are. Well, I think that draws us to a close for this episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Well, oh, sorry, uh, no, Roscoe. Oh, sorry, Roscoe. What? You got something the for G- me? The GRQ. Oh, gee, how could I forget? <laughs> RTW. The GRQRTW, the golf rules question of the week. Oh, was it? Of the week. GRQ. OTW. OTW, sorry. It's an either already. <laughs> right. So, Blakey, what is this week's golf rules question of the week that people can uh, listen in and answer back and tell you and communicate with you? Okay, the GRQ OTW is. Is. And one single animal footprint ground under a pair for which you can take relief under Rule 16.1. Is one separate individual animal footprint ground considered ground under a pair? One single. Yes, one single. So not a pair. Is it like, Are we talking like a one-legged animal or something like that? Or is it like... <laughs> Well, right. maybe it's really soft ground. Okay. And they've they've stood on that soft ground. They've also stood on the hard ground and not created an imprint around it. Okay. So they're obviously just walking through the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've created an imprint in the soft ground. It's not surrounded by any other kind of animal um, workings. It's just one single individual animal footprint is that considered ground under repair examples of animal footprints that you've come across in your time on the golf course blakey oh well uh kangaroos definitely uh you know they you know places like anglesey and lakes entrance malakuta full of kangaroos uh deer prints mm-hmm. yeah deer hoof print uh obviously cows if they've uh, got out into the golf course um some courses that i've played at have sheep that roam the golf course mm-hmm. and they actually have fences around 
around the putting green uh, to keep the sheep off the putting green, but they're allowed to graze on the uh, on the fairways and rough. Uh, so yeah, plenty of uh, hoof prints or footprints. You know, did you know that a, a sheep that obviously has a, a hoof, um, whereas a kangaroo has a footprint. Once again, delivering value to the listeners. <laughs> and and a dog has a paw, obviously. Okay. Uh, hoof. I call it a hoof, but hoof. Yeah. Hoof. Uh, you hoof, 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 hoof. Okay, now it's getting silly. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> answer that question for Blakey, and uh, if, you, if you're if you a four-time winner of uh, the Golf Rules Question of the Week, you might get a sleeve of uh, TaylorMade Tour responses with the Golf Rules logo on it yourself, maybe. We look forward to sending those out to you, Andrew. That's a proud moment for us in this little short podcast journey. Blakey, have I, have I covered everything? Yeah, absolutely. You've killed it now. Very good. Once again, Blakey, you want to say goodbye? Thank you very much, everyone. And uh, send, in, send in some local rules uh, that you've seen uh, that are strange to you, uh, and we'll, we'll keep this. We may even do a, a local rules part three. Who knows? Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We do appreciate you having fun with us and the feedback. Thanks for listening again. And until next time we meet on the Golf Rules Questions podcast, my name's Roscoe. Blakey's sitting there opposite. Thanks for listening. See you next time.